This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. It is with a bit of sadness we must open today's program for KDVS, and this program has lost one of its best pals. Ed Martin, the host for many years of KDVS's Cactus Corners program, and a man who I think it's fair to say was a friend to everyone at this station, passed away last week. We try to make a point on this program to occasionally do obituaries, dedications to lives that are worthy of commemoration, and we certainly must do that today with Ed Martin. We're going to move Ed up to our second segment where we customarily put our featured guest for the show. Luckily for us, we did have Ed on three times. I wish it had been so many more, and we talked about bringing him on in the future. Alas, that shall never be. But to look on the positive side, we do have some excellent moments with Mr. Martin recorded, and we're going to revisit some of those in segment two at which time I think I will take the liberty of quoting from some of the comments people have made here in what I guess are internal communications at KDVS, but I'm quite certain that nobody will object to my sharing some sentiments people had about Ed. He was beloved, really, by all. More than once, he served as my wingman during the Pledge Drive show, and, well, one really couldn't ask for a better co-host. And more than that, He was just a fine human being. We'll have a great deal more to say about him in our second segment. Let us begin this program as we like to begin them all with On This Date in History. The date in question is the 22nd of January. It was on January 22nd in 1901 that Queen Victoria died ending the Victorian era, a 63-year reign, the longest in British history. She saw the growth of an empire in which the sun never set. Now, if Queen Elizabeth II can last a bit longer, she is in contention to eclipse the record set by Victoria. We shall see. On January 22nd in 1903, in what is a rather truncated version of the actual events, and this we're using the history channels today in history, as we generally do, it was noted that in 1903, January 22nd, Colombia sold America the right to build the Panama Canal, and assigned U.S. control in perpetuity of a narrow strip of land known as the Canal Zone. My understanding of this is that Panama was broken off from Colombia, and it was the Panamanians, in fact, that actually sold us the rights to the canal, which involved a bit of gunboat diplomacy via Teddy Roosevelt. And you know, I hate it when these items seem like they happened yesterday to this correspondent, but it was in January 22nd in 1966 that The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel topped the American music charts. And I think Mr. McGill, we know our bumper music here for this segment. And on January 22nd in 1973, the United States Supreme Court ruled in Roe versus Wade. It ruled that women can terminate a pregnancy during the first two trimesters. In fact, it pretty much made it legal everywhere during the first trimester. The court held that a woman's right to an abortion falls within the right to privacy protected by the 14th Amendment. It was a somewhat imperfect decision, but in my opinion, a very good one. 
And I should add that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. Having said that, I reiterate that I think it was a good opinion. It saved a lot of women's lives by taking abortions out of back alleys and putting them inside proper medical facilities. And from the oddball file, we have this. It was on January 22nd in 1997 that Lottie Williams, walking in a Tulsa, Oklahoma park, became the first human hit by man-made space junk. In this case, a six-inch metal piece from a falling Delta II rocket, which does allow me to use my rarely utilized Jack Horkheimer impression, which would be to always remember to keep looking up. And for our quote of the day, we cite the prophet of Islam, Muhammad, who is famously reported to have said, the ink of the scholar is more sacred than the blood of the martyr. A quote that we would hope certain fundamentalists out there would take to heart. And yes, we mean fundamentalists of all stripes. Our quip of the day comes from the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu, who said, those who have knowledge don't predict. Those who predict don't have knowledge. A joke that it comes from David Letterman about a week or so ago, who said, last night the Golden Globes presented George Clooney with a Lifetime Achievement Award. I have never received a Golden Globe, but I did receive a special award from the Golden Corral people. And for those who don't know, that's a restaurant chain. Our bonus joke today comes from the writers for Conan O'Brien, who noted last month, people in North Korea who have the same name as Kim Jong-un are being ordered to change their name. Apparently everyone now has a choice of either Chloe or Courtney Jong-un. All right, our anecdote for today's show, part one, is that, well, this actually transcends an actual news item or a citation by us to, I think, become an anecdote, but doggone it, Sam McManus has done it again. For, I think, what is it, the fifth time, Mr. McMillan, his reporting for the Sacramento Bee has been picked up and repeated by The Week magazine. In this case, referring to Sam's visit up in Idaho to the world's first nuclear power plant, EBR-1. Congratulations to Mr. McManus. And our anecdote part two is that actor Jack Nicholson was reported by CloserWeekly.com as reportedly being scared of dying alone. Yes, the actor is noted for having dated a string of glamorous actresses in the 70s and 80s, but his relationships invariably came to an end, it is said, because Nicholson fooled around. Today, Jack is 77 and lonely and wishes he could have, quote, one last romance, unquote. Closer Weekly noted it isn't likely to happen. Quoting Jack as saying, I'm still wild at heart, but I can't hit on women in public anymore. It just doesn't feel right at my age. Now, if you'll forgive a slight digression at this point, I would note that last week I queued up and watched for the first time in many years Jack Nicholson at the top of his game, starring in Chinatown. I remember so well the first time I saw this movie. I was a student at UCD back in the day. And I would note that in seeing it again, I was, I think, as stunned now as I was back then at what really a masterpiece of cinema it is. Although the ending still manages to leave me rather stunned and 
horrified, which prompted me to do a bit of research, which was that the movie wasn't supposed to end the way it does. That was director Roman Polanski's vision over that of the screenwriter Robert Town. Although reportedly Town later agreed that Polanski had done it the right way. We'll probably be talking a bit about the movie Birdman when the Oscars roll up closer. Personally, I thought Birdman was a masterpiece unfolding before me until we got to about the last uh, seven or eight minutes. At which point I would say my enthusiasm waned. I still think it's a hell of a movie, though. So we'll talk a bit about it, but I would like to do a reset on Jack Nicholson. Lonely Jack. Not feeling it's right to hit on women in public at his age. Dated for quite a long time, Angelica Houston, the daughter of actor-slash-director-slash-wild-man John Houston. It turns out that in the movie, Chinatown, Angelica made her only appearance on the set during the scene where Jack confronts her father, John, portraying the powerful water, portraying the powerful and rich water manipulator, Noah Cross, where there's a somewhat uncomfortable scene which the character Houston is playing asks the character Nicholson is playing if he's sleeping with his daughter. Since in real life, bad boy Jack was doing exactly that with John's daughter, it's said that, well, there was some tension on the set. What amazes me is that Chinatown got only one Oscar for its screenplay. And boy, there's something wrong with that. Of course, Chinatown did have to go against Godfather 2 that year. Which, and oddly enough, Robert Evans, the producer, was involved in both. And we noted in the current issue of the week, comedian Patton Oswald cited Robert Evans's The Kid Stays in the Picture as one of his more memorable books. And we may have to quote from some of that. In the character department in Hollywood, Evans ranks right up there with John Huston. We'll have more to say about that hopefully around Oscar time. And among our stats for the day, we have uh, the fact that apparently, in, among this year's Oscar nominations in the Best Actor, Actress, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress categories, well, it's said that there's no diversity this year. All of the nominees are white. Now, while we admit that is somewhat unlikely statistically, can one read more into it than that? We're not so sure, but I was rather intrigued by some other statistics of a similar nature. For instance, the fact that there are no Protestants on the United States Supreme Court. I don't know about you, dear listener, but that strikes me as a bit odd. I was able to utilize as a researcher former KDVS general manager Stephen Valentino when looking into that a few days ago. I asked him if it was true that we had seven Catholics on the Supreme Court. He said, I'll look it up, and came back and said, no, six Catholics, three Jews, no Protestants. And it perhaps goes without saying, no Muslims. That strikes us as possibly more nefarious somehow than uh, the Oscar nominees. As a fallen Catholic myself, I certainly respect the religion, but would note that the top-down thinking that tends to go along with it isn't necessarily what you're looking for in a Supreme Court justice. We have several good news items on this program, which I think I will save for the end of the segment. So let's, uh, let's round this off with our stat of the day. Which is, according to Vox.com, that a record 43% of Americans now identify themselves as political independents rather than Democrats or Republicans. That's according to a Gallup survey. Only 30% identified themselves as Democrats, the lowest number since the 1950s. Of course, if you're keeping score, just 26% identified as Republicans. All right, let's jump to the good, the bad, 
and the ugly. All right, it was a good week last week for Democracy in Action. With the news that a little-known former cabinet minister in Sri Lanka, Maithripala Sirisena, surprised the country by beating incumbent Mahinda Rajapaksa in a presidential election and immediately calling for parliamentary elections. Rajapaksa was first elected in 2002 and saw his popularity boom when he ended the decades-long civil war against the Tamil Tigers in 2009. Since then, he'd been perceived as being increasingly corrupt and repressive, packing government posts with his friends and relatives and suppressing the press. Sirisena apparently came out of nowhere and said, I want to be president, and the country said, yes, you should be. He was elected on a pledge to rewrite the Constitution to shift power away from the presidency and his promise to serve only one term. Don't you wish something like that could happen here? But it was, on the other hand, a bad week last week for democracy in action, with the news that Haiti's parliament dissolved in disarray, leaving the country with only President Michel Martelly to rule by decree. Yes, apparently in Haiti, elections should have been held years ago, but the legislature never passed an election law, and now its mandate has ended. The U.S. and European Union said they would support Martelly's administration while he arranges for new elections. Martelli, evidently a former pop singer, was elected in 2011 on a pledge to rebuild the country after the devastating 2010 earthquake that killed more than 200,000 people. But while Haiti has received about $13 billion in international aid, tens of thousands of people are still living in tents. While I'm tempted to say it was an ugly week last week for democracy in action, with the news that apparently the Republican frontrunner is Jeb Bush, the brother of the former president, while the frontrunner in the Democratic Party is Hillary Clinton, the wife of the former president. Which forces me to quote a bit from the Borowitz report. Said Andy Borowitz, the USA, a nation with a population of about 300 million people, totally accepts that the new president of the United States can only be selected from two families. In, in interviews conducted across the country, Americans acknowledge that while the U.S. boasts many exceptional people in the fields of technology, business, public policy, and government, none will be offered to voters as candidates because they do not come from one of the two families deemed eligible. Quoted Leslie McEdwards of San Jose, California, saying, while it would be cool to choose a president from more than two families, on the plus side, we voters don't have to learn a lot of new names. Of course, one new name we may not have, not have to relearn is Mitt Romney, who's toying with the idea of running again in 2016, but apparently has no backers. At least, we hope not. So let's instead note that it was an ugly week last week for Steve Emerson of Fox News, who reported that Birmingham in the UK is a Muslim-only city and a no-go zone for non-Muslims. In reality, 80% of the city residents are non-Muslims. Finally, it was both a bad and ugly week last week for big surprises with the news that a North Carolina man, Zia Segule, snuck home to give his wife breakfast in bed, unfortunately triggering the house alarm system. 
Zagule's wife assumed he was an intruder and shot him in the chest. After a trip to the hospital, Zagule reportedly said, I'm good. Since I guess the alternative was, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm good is a step in the right direction. All right, for our good news items, which I teased you with a little bit earlier, we're going to go to the health and science section of the week magazine because it was full of good news. Let's make it a lightning round. Item number one, for the first time in nearly three decades, scientists have discovered an, uh, a new class of antibiotics. Now, medical science is badly in need of some new antibiotics, in no small part due to the fact that the cattle industry and meat industry in general is putting most of the antibiotics produced in this country into animal feed as a growth factor, which is making that problem of antibiotic resistance so much worse. I mean, it, it has to, doesn't it? Anyway, researchers at Northeastern University have developed a device that will allow them to access millions of uncultured bacteria from soil. It turns out that most bacteria cannot be coaxed to grow in culture media. But in the soils of the world, it's naturally occurring bacteria that are producing their own antibiotics to kill off the competition. So this is something we need to harness. They developed a new device with a tiny chamber in it that allows bacteria to be isolated while still growing in their native habitat, enabling scientists to trick them into being, quote, domesticated, unquote. This is exciting stuff. When we talked in this program about how it may be time to consider giving up meat, particularly beef, Researchers at Harvard School of Public Health have some evidence that if you substitute whole grains like whole wheat flour, brown rice, and, and whole oats, well, you might do well. They are rich in fiber and healthy compounds like magnesium and lignans. They don't cause a rapid rise in blood sugar the way refined grains do. And subjects in the study who replaced a daily serving of red meat with a serving of whole grains reduced their mortality by nearly 20%. That's good news, too. And good news item number three might be the fact that scientists at the University of Liverpool, that's in the UK, have sequenced the genome of the bowhead whale. Now, bowhead whales have an average lifespan of 200 years. And the researchers have found several mutations in the whale's genome that are thought to be connected with repairing damaged DNA. This insight may help explain why bowheads and other large marine mammals have such remarkably low rates of cancer. We can hope that some clues from the whales may help us live a bit longer. Good news item number four. Data from the Kepler Space Telescope has located two planets that are the most Earth-like yet, Kepler 438b and 442b. They both have rocky surfaces like Earth, and they orbit their respective stars in the Goldilocks zone, where temperatures are thought to be just right for the existence of liquid water. And fifth and final item, which is not all good news. It's good news for mom, because some new scientific research suggests that she was right all along when she said you need to keep warm in the winter to avoid catching a cold. We in the medical profession have taken the position over the years that, well, the reason colds are more common in winter is that people spend more time in crowded indoor spaces. Now, it's true that the germs that cause cold like to be in the colder parts of your body, but it turns out that may have something to do with why getting cold might help give you a cold. In this case, researchers at Yale looked into this and found that the body's natural immune system declines a bit in the nasal cavity when you 
chill it down by five degrees. Turns out the immune system is felt to be weakened a bit and less effective at preventing the germs, in this case the rhinoviruses, from replicating. In this, the Daily Telegraph quoted researcher Akiko Iwasaki as saying, this gives credence to the old wives' tale that people should keep warm and even cover their noses to avoid catching colds. I'm not sure it's right to claim that what mom claimed all along is an old wives' tale, but this certainly illustrates the point that the truth sometimes lies in the middle. Certainly doctors have a point when they say, well, it's the viruses that are making you sick, but if getting chilled helps those viruses get an edge over your immune system, well, mom was right too. Now, luckily at this moment, we're safe from having to search out bumper music related to having colds. We previously promised you Simon and Garfunkel. Let's see if we can't deliver. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a great guy, Mr. Ed Martin. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. In restless dreams, I walked alone. Narrow streets of cobblestone. Beneath the halo of a street lamp, I turned my collar to the cold and damp. When my eyes were stabbed by the flash of a neon light, I split the night and touched the sound of silence. And in the naked light, I saw ten thousand people, maybe more. People talking without speaking. People hearing with 